You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am very much honored to have my next guest from the great Northwoods who just killed us in the basketball, but that's going to be <laughs> passed by the time <laughs> we, uh, we air this. Mr. Sean Finder, CEO and founder of AutoClose. That's AutoClose with a K. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm great, David. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I mean, we're still stinging from the loss. This will probably post a few weeks after, but yeah, you guys just beat us in, in basketball, so we'll give it to you. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's about time somebody else won it, and it wasn't the Golden State Warriors. So <laughs> even though it was just Toronto, I do like Golden State, but I'm very happy with our hometown Toronto Raptors here. Nice. Well, congrats to the, the whole city. And Sean, you've got a really impressive background. If, if folks have not you know, checked in on AutoClose or, or know about you, how did you get into the sales development world and what are you doing over at AutoClose? Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll actually get started a little before I even started AutoClose. Uh, so I used to play actually semi-professional tennis. And at the age of 18, my mom gave me the ultimatum to either try and become a professional tennis player or go the education route. So I went the education route and actually got an MBA in finance. Worked in finance for about a year and a bit and realized it just wasn't for me. I was, you know, I was always good at networking. I was, I was an extrovert personality. And I'd go in the elevators and I'd be, I guess, looking at the TV screen at the top and realizing it's not right to say hello or good morning to people on the elevator. And I was just too social. <laughs> and, and that kind of took me to the finance and then got it lucky and went in for a, a finance job and actually got offered a VPS sales job on the spot because they saw potential. And that's how I kind of got into sales and then going quickly started my first, first company four years ago called Exchange Leads, which is now integrated with our, our company called AutoClose which is a sales enabling platform with a built-in B2B database. Got it. Okay. And so it seems like a natural transition. So when you were VP of sales coming from the finance background, did you see kind of a need in the marketplace that you could potentially provide with your own business? That was a good question. So I was a VP of sales and we had a, I had a handful of sales reps under me. And the biggest need I found was high quality data. I found there were so many different companies out there that were selling data I'm not going to mention some names, some billion dollar companies and the quality wasn't there. So initially I just said, listen, I'm going to try and not worry about quantity, but worry about quality and very like the, the Joel Jigsaw model, which is date, which was a Salesforce product and basically built that same model that Jigsaw initially built was with that crowdsource data platform. And we built that for exchange leads because that was a need that I felt my sales reps had. 
Didn't know it was going to turn into two businesses later and five years later running a company, but that's how I got started. That's interesting. Okay. So it's kind of a crowdsource. Is that, that the initial spark of it was, hey, let's leverage the power of the crowd. Is that still something that's involved or you know, how does it work today? Yeah. So, so Exchange Leads works similar to that still. So how it worked was you, know, you have 10,000 users sign up for Exchange Leads in our first year. Each user would upload their contacts. We would validate the contacts. The good ones go into our pool. The bad ones don't go into the pool. But any of the good ones that you provided us, we gave you credits to download from our pool. So as people were doubling their database at the same time, our database was growing in the hundreds of thousands to the millions. And now a lot of our data is actually built manually. We have a team out in Eastern Europe um, that manually build the data from scratch for our database. Got it. And can people still go in and, and do the exchange now? Or is that just you just using your team only? You can't really use it anymore. We kind of disabled that function once we started autoclose. And there was a reason why we did that because of the, the way autoclose was priced. And if people found out that you know, we ran both companies, it was our sister company, we had to kind of do it a little differently. But you can still purchase data from Exchange Leads, and that's all data that could be custom data that we built from scratch. It could be people using specific technologies, et cetera. Yeah, and it's interesting. The reason I ask is like the, the whole crowdsource model is so interesting and fascinating in that, you know, just by kind of reversing things and motivating millions of people to do something, it's a win-win because they, you know, put in a little bit of time and they get value and then you as a company can grow, you know, pretty quickly if it becomes viral, you know, so that, that's a really interesting model. Yeah, I think, I think it's, you know, the, the power of, of give and take, it's, you know, it's like a relationship. If, if you can give something, you'll get something, but if you just give, you're never going to get. So anyone that has a model around crowdsourcing or anything, I mean, it could be with any, any business, if you're going to give something and help even in, in say in sales, if you're going to help somebody, they're more likely to buy from you because you're helping them out, even though it might not be helping them about the product. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's interesting because like, you know, with the social networks that have come up, you know, people think that they're free, but it's like, you know, no, exactly. Actually not free because you're actually contributing to what makes their product so viral and interesting to everybody else. So it's like that, that model, people think it's free, but it's not necessarily <laughs> free because you're actually working for Facebook if you use Facebook, you know what I mean? And you're giving them a lot more information than you probably ever <laughs> want to know you're giving yeah. them. Google, Facebook, they know everything about anybody that's signed up to any of their platforms. Yeah, because nobody reads those, you know, those, those waivers and stuff. Yeah. You know, click, 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 whatever, and you give it to them. But, but I, I mean, in a bit, like just taking it back, like, I was a big fan of Jigsaw and then they got bought out and now they're closing down and it's like, wow, I mean, what a great idea that is. And, and it looks like it's something that you guys were able to, to utilize as well. Yeah, no, Jim Fowler and the, and the team at Data, they built the, it was just, it was just a, a very, very smart platform. But I think when Salesforce acquired it, you know, Salesforce is, you know, they're, they're a CRM. So it was kind of a different business for them. I think they want to somehow use it as an add-on for their clients. But then again, I think, you know, Discover Org, the Zoom Infos of the world, a lot of those big names really came out and really made a name for themselves with quality. So I think, yeah, just recently, I think it was a few months ago, they stopped the data.com, I believe. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing it makes me think of is Microsoft bought, I think people forget about this. This is like Microsoft bought LinkedIn, right? And Microsoft has a CRM that hardly anybody uses around here, but they must have a lot of customers because it's still 
a going concern. And it's like, wow, I mean, they're sitting on like LinkedIn, when you think about data, is the ultimate crowdsource thing, right? Because it's it's an ego thing. Like as soon as you have a new job, the first thing you want to do is go and tell everybody about it. And and it's like so so LinkedIn and Microsoft have access to such a clean database, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big advocate of LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn, I would say when, before they got acquired, I guess, feature wise, there weren't too many releases, but I would say in the last few months, they've been releasing some really, like even last week, they released a really cool feature. So they're really starting to improve their product, but they have access to everything. The only thing I would say would be better. A lot of people I find, I speak to people because like, you know, there's companies out there that scrape LinkedIn and stuff. But a lot of people that sign up to LinkedIn sign up with their personal email. They don't sign up with their business email in case they change a job. So it would be it would be great if LinkedIn somehow asked you to put your business email because then they would have you know literally everything about you. That would be amazing. Yeah, and and you know LinkedIn, it's got its good and bad qualities it seems. But let me ask you this: on one one of the things about AutoClose that that like intrigued me was in the description it says you you don't necessarily have to cold call anymore like don't worry about that give it to us so how do you guys how do you guys make it possible so that people don't have to cold call and they could just plug in their stuff and then you guys can help them that's great that's a great question so you know ideally you know what we wanted and what we what i think sales leaders nowadays want is more consolidation so you know you have your sales enabled your sales automation tools you have your data so inside our platform what you can do is you could automate the top of the funnel therefore you can actually go into our database of millions of people go in, pick and choose, but you can also use a, you know, something like Calendly, for example, we're very big on scheduling automation as well. So you could embed that into your email and it will get you great results. But if you wanted to put some cold calls in, and I, I usually recommend putting some social touches in your sequences, it really works well. So I would say overall, I'm having it all automated, you know, especially for the smaller businesses that, you know, that you're very busy, you might not have time for the prospecting, not only our tool, any, any sales engagement tool really help you automate that top of the funnel for you. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people, it seems like they're, they would say, hey, you know, our, our market is so niched and we only need to talk to this one type of person at this one type of company about this one, you know, issue that they need. And it's like, it'd be easier for us to just train somebody to do that in-house. But it must be tough if they all these different industries are coming to you and they're saying like we've got this very niche thing that only we know about can you help us you know what i mean how do you deal with that yeah so when it's very niche that, that you know they're going to need more of a custom list a very very niche like if you need a, a janitor at a high school in toronto for example you know you're not going to find that in probably anyone's database you want to do a custom list but what you also can do if you have a very small market is i'm a big advocate of video now you know, podcasts are big, but even personalized video inside your email sequence. So you can even do a video to that person, mentioning their name, mentioning any of the, the challenges they might be facing to try and get across that prospect. Because what I find is, you know, a lot of people are cold calling, a lot of people are emailing, but how many people are actually doing video in their emails? Not too many. So if you, if you, get, if you find yourself and get the ability to stand out, you have a way better chance of getting that prospect to either A, book a time with you or have another call with you. But with those small niches, it's very tough. You just have to continue to personalize and customize your templates and your content to them. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but say one of these companies comes to you and they're like, hey, we, we need to reach out to this very niche market, then your team 
you've got this big team of people who just sit there and do this very intense research to make that personalization and then get that together for the client. And then they can even add videos and things like that to make it even more personalized. Is that right? Yeah. So we have both. So what we do is the first thing we'll do is we'll look in our database. And then if we don't have too much, we'll, well, first we'll actually validate the emails on the way out. So you're sending clean emails, but if we don't have it, as I said, if it's a janitor in Toronto, we have a custom team that will actually take that. They'll start looking up public channels. They'll start looking on LinkedIn. They'll start doing all this custom work, something we're actually looking to potentially crowdsource. But right now they do it themselves and it takes a lot longer, but you get a high, higher quality. So you, at the end of the day, you know, with, with data, with anyone, you get what you pay for. Got it. Okay. And then, so it's, it seems like the market that you play in, the out, outsource, you know, SDR market or whatever, however you want to call it, is it's, there's a lot of competition. It's a yep. doggy dog, you know, market. So how do you, how do you compete and how do you stand out when there's other companies that are probably calling the same? people as you to try to say, Hey, we can get you appointments and stuff like that. Yeah. Great question. So there's a few things, as you said, there is a lot of, a lot of people in this space. And what I've, I've determined is, you know, you want to leave the enterprise enterprise. I leave to the sales lofts and the outreaches. Those are the two guys that are one's a unicorn now, but you leave the enterprise. So we've kind of found our sweet spot in that small business. Now, how do we differentiate ourselves? is by adding stuff like scheduling automation, video, using Vidyard inside the tool. But the most important is the database that's inside. None of our competitors have the database, which is at the end of the day, if you give somebody a sales engagement tool, but they don't have the data to put into the sales engagement tool, what good is a sales engagement tool? So we've put the database inside the platform for my first venture. And that's the real differentiator. And obviously the second one would be cost because having a bootstrap company versus one that's raised millions and millions of dollars will also give you a price competitive advantage as well. Got it. Okay. So so people can actually use, if they have an in-house team of SDRs, they can use AutoClose as a tool, not necessarily just say like, hey, Sean, like go get me appointments. It's not necessarily just, hey, go get me appointments. It's like you buy AutoClose and, and have it uh, as a tool for your in-house team. Oh yeah. We don't, so we don't do any appointment setting for, for the clients. All the clients, they have the software. They use the software themselves. They go in, they do everything. They start their campaigns. We have some templates for them to use, but everything is done by the client. We don't do anything for our clients except for provide them a solution. Got it. Okay. Okay, cool. So I got to get you on the market map. So we got a 10 bound market map and, and it, 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 you know, corrals all the players in the different places. And I don't know if you guys are in there yet. So I'll make sure because we're working on V4 right now. Oh, perfect. Get you into the right segment there. Sounds great. Yeah, definitely. And so by getting this, they'll also, they'll have the sequence or the cadence product, you know, right there, but they'll also have the really clean data that your team provides in in this other part of the business. Yeah. So the database is right inside. So we have 28 million contacts and you would search just like you would in sales navigator, you would search through all the different fields, you press add to campaign and they're automatically added to campaign. So once again, there's no team involved unless it's a custom data set where we don't have it. Got it. Okay. All right. That's really interesting. All right. So this is really empowering people that actually work for your company. Let me ask you this. So if you know someone's out there and they're trying to break into this market, would the best thing to be, can they actually share whatever database they have from you and put it in there? Or should they just go, if you have it, 
it's going to be better than what they have. Both options. So okay. we integrate, you can integrate any CRM, you can upload your CSV, you can do all that stuff. So what an, out, you know, an outreach and sales loft where you upload your own contacts with us, we allow the upload, but we also have a database as an add-on. So the database is an added service, but we, we provide both options to the clients. Got it. Okay. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. That's really interesting. Okay. So, so you're getting involved in a blood sport there in that, in that marketplace, <laughs> which is good. Good for you. Let me ask you this. So this, I just want to switch gears a little bit. I'm interested in that moment that you had in the elevator as a finance professional yep. working, you know, you, you put in all this time and money, you got your MBA, you know, you probably have some debt to pay back. You've got this great job, you know, everything's all laid out and you're sitting there going, dude, I can't like there's so, there was some moment where it's like I need to go the entrepreneurial route. So tell me about that moment and then what happened. So what happened was I ended up leaving the finance role when I was on the elevator and it was actually my boss in the elevator. And I said good morning and he looked at me like, "Why are you saying good morning to me?" And I was just like, "Whoa, like I just I was, you know, I'm a very friendly guy, very outgoing guy." So I ended up getting when I got the VP of sales job, I don't really want to know if I want to say that on air, but I, I kind of had that where I felt like, you know, I had to report to my boss and I felt like, I guess I, let's just say I didn't agree with all the decisions he was making and I felt like I can do a better job than my boss. At that point, I was like, you know, I've always been like an entrepreneur at heart. Even when I was in university, I had like my own little, you know, importing cosmetic packaging from the Orient to Toronto and selling to the US. So I like, always had that in me. But then when I started working as a VP of sales, like, you know what? I told myself when I make my first sale, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. So I built the product for eight months while I was working and my salary would pay for the building of the product out in Eastern Europe. And when I made my first sale, I said, I'm leaving my six figure job for $49, which was my first sale. And that's when I started. Wow. Wow. What was that? I mean, what did you feel like at that moment? Or, yeah, I mean, if you can look back, like what was the, what was your feeling of going, I had, you know, structure and I had the benefit, you know, you probably had yep. all the golden handcuffs, you know, being in a corporation yep. to, okay, now I've got $49. Like let's, okay, go. So I'm missing a little part of that. So, and this is a tip I would give to any potential entrepreneur on here is I actually strategically saved up when I was in that position and I was working on both projects. I made sure I had, well, I made the $49. I had six months of money that would pay for rent and entertainment for me. So it would pay my rent for living downtown Toronto, which if you know real estate, well, you're in San Francisco, you, you know real estate in Toronto is similar. Yeah. I had six months of runway. So I said, I made my first sale. I have starting today, I have six months of rent, six months to make this profitable. So I did have that buffer. It wasn't like I just you know, made my first $49 and was in debt. I had six months were saved up, which was about you know, $15,000, $17,000, whatever it was, I paid for my, my six months. And that's what I went through. But within our first 90 days, I locked in with that company, one of our, one of the, I guess, I don't want to say the company, but just say top three companies in Canada, which really, really started to fund our, our projects. Okay. So now you're starting to breathe a little bit, but for that first six months, you're just scrambling. So, so like if someone's out there and they're, they just had that elevator moment. So what should they, what should they be thinking of? It's like, you got to get that nest egg, especially if you live in San Francisco and what, what else should they be thinking of to avoid any of the like pitfalls that you fell into, you know, in that 
kind of transition period? Plan ahead. So what I, you know, every day, my friends, me, I mean, even today, every day people come up with ideas. Everyone in the world has always come up with ideas and it takes a lot to, to take that, that next step. However, don't just take the next step because it sounds like a great idea. Do your due diligence, you know, look on the market, look in the market, plan ahead and make sure you have enough money to support your lifestyle for four to six months. Because even when I did it, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time. It's the last time I'm going to say to my girlfriend, like, we can't go out for dinners anymore for the next six months because I'm starting a startup. So make sure you plan ahead. And that's the most important. And then only take that next step when you're ready. And you've also saved enough money to take that next step. So don't just do it because you have an idea. Because as I said, everyone comes up with ideas every day and not every idea turns into a, a money-making business. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's also about your attitude too, because it seems like if you, if you're like, oh man, I hate my job, this sucks, but I'm, I'm in debt and I can't, I can't save up six months, you know, but that's, that's kind of like a negative attitude, right? Because if you're like, I can't do it, then you, your brain just shuts down. But if you like sit there with a piece of paper and go, maybe I can do this and you map it out, maybe you actually can, right? Yeah. And it's not going to be a smooth sailing. You know, you're always going to have roller coasters. It's just like a relationship. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs, but you got to stay focused and, and make sure you, you stick to that vision. If you, if you see somewhere in the market that you can help something or build something that can better a lot of people, just go with it. And to be honest, I, I would say if you're in your twenties, definitely, that was one thing I wish I would have started a few years earlier. But if you're in your 20s and, and even if you're, if you're living at home and you can start a business, just you know, try it on the side for a bit until you start making money, until you start get seeing a market fit and then go all in with it. Totally, man. Don't wait until you're locked in with a bunch of kids and mortgages. And <laughs> and oh, yeah. It becomes way harder. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's, that's really good advice. And so let me ask you this. So now that you, you went full bore into this, like what are what's some of your the positive things about entrepreneurship because I, th- I think usually people are like again they're very negative on it they're like you're gonna go bankrupt and you're gonna lose your shirt and all this stuff like what is good about what you're doing so i would say this the number one thing for me is i love what i do now when i worked before i started my own companies you know i, I went in there but i did it more just for the money I, you know i went in there get my paycheck every second friday get paid i leave at five but when you build your own, when you build your own thing, you think you're helping people and you have passion. Like I go on a trip and sometimes I just can't wait to start working again. I never had that feeling before I was an entrepreneur, but people that think that you become an entrepreneur and you're going to, you know, you're going to have freedom, you're going to be able to travel and you're going to work less. I work way more now than I've ever worked in my life. I'm still, and I still, I probably sleep six hours a day and I work 18 hour days. So it's not like you're going to work less. You're going to work more, but you're going to more have that vision. And then as you continue to grow your company, you continue to add people to your company that will take things away from you. And that's the kind of where we're at now is I'm starting to, after four years, finally, I'm starting with two startups and two companies in four years, I'm starting to be able to take away and have people do more of the stuff that I had to, I, I used to have to do. So you were, you were wearing all kinds of hats and now it's like, okay, you're at the point where you can hire really smart people to help you and maybe they can even do a better job at those things. Agree and disagree. I actually... I actually still wear all the hats a little okay. bit. And here's, the, and here's the reason why. And this is my philosophy. If I, I go on marketing, operations, support, sales, at least once a week and development. So all five I go up, 
I'm in a, a meeting at least once a week. And the reason why is here, I actually have a, a fake name in our support. And I go in and answer questions sometimes where we have a full support team. And my reason is because as a founder and an entrepreneur, I need to know a little bit about everything in my business. And I also like to be in support because that is where the question, that is where my clients tell us what we need. And I actually prioritize our features by going into support and reading every question, answer from me or from our support team. So I would say I don't wear all, I wear all the hats in a way that I'm still involved in every department just because I want to know what's going on, what's working, what's not working, what's getting us a, you know, what should we double down on is eBooks working? Let's double down is, you know, is Facebook ads not working? Let's, you know, let's lessen it. So I like to be involved in everything, but I would say I'm hands I'm not hands in with everything, but I'm knowing about everything. So it's like a fact finding mission to figure out what's what the customers want and what would, you know, keep things, you know, rolling along versus like you actually having to do everything. There's like you actually have a team to help you, but you still want to have your feet on the ground and really understand what the customer. Yeah, like every feature we build is not from our team. Every feature we build is from our clients. So we actually do surveys to our clients. We say rank them one to eight, and then we'll actually prioritize in our sprints one to eight. So our clients determine our features because there's no point in us building features for what we want to build. It's more important that we build features that the majority of our clients want to build. And that's how we actually, we, we built this product from scratch from actually having our clients tell us. And even before there were clients, our prospects on our, our, just our landing page email list tell us what they wanted. So everything we build is basically focused on what our clients want. That's so genius. That's like, that's like uh, how Amazon became so popular. I mean, they're just like obsessed with what the customer wants versus what they think is best. And I can tell you, anybody who's going to go out and, and start a business, don't just think something's great and then go out and try to sell it. Like you, or, I mean, you got to come up with some kind of hypothesis, but you got, you got to listen to the feedback from the market. And if the market tells you that your product sucks, then you got to either change it or get a new product, right? Yeah, no, and, and I'll, I'll actually tell you guys, you know, one of the, the things I learned quickly in my first business so with the data company was this. I was building exchange leads and I wanted my clients to come. And when my clients came, I would then build the product. I could keep adding features once the clients came. But with AutoClose, I did the opposite. I keep building features and product and let the clients come by themselves. So what I would say to also people that are looking or building a product is, focus on the product and focus on your features. And if you build the right product and you build the right culture and you build the right features, your clients will come to you and you don't have to go get them. Nice. Okay. So, so then it's a, it's a upward spiral of not having to necessarily go out and beg people to buy your product. It's like they, they use it, they love it. They tell their friends and it's, it's, it's much more organic. It seems. Yeah. I mean, word of mouth referrals are great. Nowadays, with all the, all the different social channels that you could speak to, people always talk to each other, conferences. And also, I would say referrals are the best way to get a new client because they've already been referred from somebody. So it's easier than going out and cold prospecting a client than it is to get a referral. Yes, 100%. You said conferences too. So I'm going to pitch. We got the sales development conference coming up on August 23rd in San Francisco. Anybody listening, you got to be there. Sean, you got to be there. I couldn't help myself. I'm, I'm a founder too. Let me ask you this. Did you pay for this out of your own operations or did you have to get investors to get it off the ground or both? So no investors. We initially, first company was bootstrapped. We didn't have much, many costs with the first company, but we did really well. And then after about two years of our first company, 
I'll be the honest truth, instead of paying the Canadian government a hefty tax, I just did some research. We said, let's do some research and development and build a second product. And that's when we came up with the idea of Autoclose. Our initial, our initial exchange was bootstrapped, and then we took the money from exchange leads and the profits and built Autoclose. And now both companies run independently. We have no, no investors at all. Not to say we might not go that route soon, maybe still weighing our options, but right now we're still bootstrapped. That's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, because it, it's such a weird environment right now in, in the Bay Area, you know, of, of the way that people start companies and, and run companies and things like that. I like your way of doing things much better because you have a real company, you're making money, you're running it like, like it should be, in my opinion. So kudos to you. It's not, it's some, there's still issues, but yeah we're, yeah, we're running it pretty good. But, you know, I'll tell you, you know, hiring salespeople has been an issue. That's, you know, we finding good salespeople is, is always an issue. So we do have our, our you know, our, our, our issues, but we get through them. And, you know, as you probably know, you know, when you own your own company, you sometimes got to do more than what you're, you got to go outside your comfort zone sometimes. So even though you know sales, you might have to jump in and do some marketing and some other stuff too. So that's kind of how we work here. Yeah. And and sit there and you get like investor envy, you know, because it's like, God, if I just had a million dollars, I could do so much cool stuff, but you know, I got to do what I got to do with what I got. So it's like, <laughs> man, I, I say, say that every day with our development. I'm like, if I had a million dollars, I think we'd have 20 new features this month, but yeah. we're only going to have three. I know. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting. I mean, next time I, I got to get somebody on who took like fifty million dollars and, and talk to them about what's what what's that like? You know, I mean, yeah. Imagine the sleepless nights and the people digging into your business and they're up your nose all the time. I mean, it's just it seems crazy, but a lot of people do it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, Sean, this has been so interesting. And, and like I said, I want to get you down to the conference so everybody can meet you in this world. If people don't know Autoclose or how to get in touch with you, what's the best way? I would say the best way, you know, find me on LinkedIn, just Sean Finder. I'm very active on LinkedIn. If you have any questions about anything I discussed today or any entrepreneurial questions or sales questions, you can email me at Sean, that's spelled S-H-A-W-N at autoclose.com. And hopefully I can come to the conference. And if not, you can meet me there and we can have a coffee or, or a drink. There we go. Thank you so much. And hey, good luck with everything. And I, I mean, I'm just in awe of what you've done. And our, our listeners, I think we'll learn a lot from the podcast. So thanks for coming on, Sean. And good luck with everything. David, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.